0: If you have your Bibles, if you could take them out to Revelation chapter 1 and also will be in Matthew 28. If you do not have a message outline, I encourage you to get one right out those center doors. is a a yellow sheet of paper. It's the message outline. Things are not always as they seem, are they? A long time ago, I heard a story of this uh, homeless person who had died in a rural area and in his death, the funeral director had to conduct the funeral, so he contacted one of the local pastors in that rural area, and he asked the pastor, would you officiate the funeral? He said, you know, no one's going to be there. This man didn't have any family, he didn't own a home, but everyone deserves a funeral. Would you be willing to come and just read some scripture and and pray as they place his body in the ground? And the pastor said, sure, I'll come. So the pastor, he got the address, and, and the day came for the burial, the pastor went out and he must either wrote down the wrong address or they gave him the wrong address because he had a hard time finding the cemetery and being a man he didn't want to ask for directions right As men don't but uh, off there in a the field he saw some men out there working and they were kind of finishing up and they're kind of putting the lid on top of the vault and so the pastor parked his car and hurried up and went over by where those men were standing around the hole and he said to the men, the pastor did, said, would you mind if I just took a moment and read some scripture and prayed?" men said, sure, sure, go ahead. And they stood there very respectful. As the pastor read from the Old Testament, he read from the New Testament, and then he prayed, uh, and, and then he thanked the men for, for letting him do that. And, and as he was walking away, he overheard the men say, hey, that was really, really nice. That was so, so, so special what he just did. And one man said, you know, I've never seen anything like that in my whole life. In my 25 years of installing septic tanks, I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> Things are not always as they seem, are they? You can imagine that Sunday morning, the disciples, as those days proceeded a long time ago, as those disciples dropped their fishing nets and left everything that they had to follow this one, Jesus, who was different from all others, right, to follow him. And he claimed to be God. He claimed to be the Messiah, claimed all those things, and they watched him help people. They watched him teach people. They watched him. He, did, he taught, didn't teach like any of the other rabbis. He was different from all them. And, and they burned their bridges to follow him, and then he died. Now what are they going to do? All their dreams and hopes are wrapped up in his vision. All their dreams and hopes are wrapped up in this man, and now he's gone. Were they to go back and reengage with their old vocation of, of going fishing? What were they to do? Things aren't always as they seem, are they? For there was another narrative going on that was written in heaven before time began. For God had planned that Jesus would come forth from that grave. And, and as he did, the words rang out from those angels that morning as they met the women at the tomb, as, we, as well as when Jesus met them right after that. The, word, the words, do not be afraid. And that's what our theme in our series has been, been studying a passage of Scripture in the book of Revelation. When John had seen a vision, of the resurrected Christ in all of his glory. The Bible says he fell on his face as though dead. And then we read these words in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at it. When John says, when I saw him, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in Hades. This passage is in this morning, what we want to focus on is, Behold, I'm alive forever and ever. Behold, I'm alive forever and ever. Death is a fearful thing. All the studies and survey that I've ever read about, what do people fear most? And death is always in the top five of those, right? People always fear death. But fear of death is divided into categories. It's the fear of the dying process people are afraid of. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of losing existence. It's the fear of standing before a holy God. It's the fear of a loved one being left behind and all the known, unknown related to that. Uh, but I want to say this morning, because of the resurrection, that you and I do not, do not have to be afraid. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that all our fears go away, right? Because of the resurrection, Jesus removes all fears. If you, if you turn your Bibles to Matthew 28, I want to read the Matthew account of the resurrection hopefully you have it there it's the first book in the New Testament the very last chapter of that first book Matthew 28 beginning with verse with verse 1 we're going to read verses 1 through 10 and he says after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week so it's Sunday morning Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook, became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, to the women, "Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here; he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples." He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. If you have your outlines, I want to share with you this morning three reasons not to fear life, three simple reasons that we don't need to be afraid, all related to the resurrection of Jesus. The first reason that we don't need to be afraid the resurrection of Jesus proves the Father was satisfied. The resurrection of Jesus proves the Father was satisfied. The sacrifice of Jesus satisfied the justice of God, is what it did. But I need to take you back for the moment to why all this happened. Why did all this happen? Why did Jesus have to come and all those kind of things? The Bible says that God created man, created people, to be perfect and innocent. He created us in his image, right? We're all created in the image of God. But that all changed one day when Adam and Eve, our foreparents, all of our foreparents, who sinned in the Garden of Eden. And because all their sin, the Bible says, sin entered into the world, for all have sinned now. And so, so there was this chasm, this great uh, separation between us and God uh, that we could not bridge, so there's this chasm that there, for the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That no one has met the perfection of God. All of us fallen short of that perfection of God. It also said there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one right with God. None of us are right with God on our own. So man had to somehow be reconciled to God. Somehow we had to be reconciled to him. But man cannot do that on their own. There's no way that we can approach a holy, just God. I mean, we try. All of us try, we try to compare ourselves to other people's sin, don't we? We can always find someone who we believe has sinned more than us, right? To look at them and say, oh, look what they've done. I'm better than them. I'm not as bad as her. We can all do that, right? Or we look to religion to find our way. Or, or we, we try to be the best people we can possibly be. Try to be good people. But the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what that says is that we don't measure up to God's standard of perfection. How many of you can say, I'm perfect? None of us would say that, right? So we don't measure up to God's perfection. The truth of the matter is that we can't go to God because he's too holy, he's too just, he's too righteous, he's too perfect, right? So we can't go to God on our own. We can't do that. That's why God came to us. This was his plan before the foundation of the world was ever created. And that very simple little verse that we all know in John 3, 16, where it says, for God so loved the world. Do you know that verse? You can all say, for God so loved you and put your name right there. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that He gave Jesus. That whatever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life, is what the Bible says there. That was God's plans from the, from the very beginning that Jesus would come to this earth as a baby and live and die on the cross. And at His death, God would place upon Jesus all of your sins, my sins, sins around the world, all the sins of the world, that Jesus would die on the cross and pay for everyone's sins. The Bible says He took your place. He was your substitute on that cross is what he did. And Jesus died for you. But how do we know the death of Christ satisfied the justice of God? How do we know that? If you went to Isaiah chapter 53 uh, in the Old Testament, uh, a book that was written, prophesied probably 800 years before Christ ever came to this earth, Isaiah 53, 53 5 says this. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. It goes later on in that passage in verse 10. It says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, his son, and to cause him to suffer. What great love. It was God's will to put Jesus on the cross. It was God's will to place our sins upon Jesus. It wasn't by accident. That was God's plan all along. And yet it says in Psalm 1610, another prophecy, it says, you will not let your holy one Jesus, See, decay. See, he will not stay in the grave long. The Bible says it. He's not going to stay in the grave. The grave cannot contain, him, is what it's saying. So the prophecy had to be fulfilled. And Jesus had to be the Messiah. And as he came forth from a grave, it was an announcement to the earth, to the world, what he was saying, that Jesus conquers death, that Jesus conquers sin, and that Jesus conquers the wicked when Satan. But it's also an announcement to the world that God was satisfied for the payment of sin that Jesus paid upon that cross for you and me. And that's why he rose him from the dead. It showed him that he was satisfied with the death of his son, that he rose him from the dead. So you and I don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear. Years ago, I heard a story about a young man in a church who was dating this young girl in the church, but he had no time for God. He didn't really understand Christianity. And he was dating this young girl in the truth, but all the while he wanted to disprove Christianity, what he set out to do. He was a young lawyer, so like many skeptics all through the ages, he looked at Christianity as being suspended by these certain pillars. And he said, if I could just disprove one or two of these pillars, then Christianity would come crumbling down. That's what he did. And some of the pillars that are often looked at are the conversion of the Apostle Paul. How did that happen? Uh, What was the explanation for that dramatic change in his life? Another one is the disprovement of the reliability of Scripture. That was another pillar. One of the most big, the largest pillars is the pillar of the resurrection. And, and what he did, so this young man said, I'm going to disprove the resurrection. If I could do that, Christianity would come crumbling down and people would see that this is not real. So he studied and began to write. And he began to, every, everything that he studied, he wrote down his real, uh, all his notes in great detail, everything he was studying about the resurrection, all about the facts, all about from scripture, from history. He did all this research that he possibly can do then one day he comes to the pastor and he says you know pastor I- i'm convinced i'm convinced that it actually happened that jesus actually rose from the grave and i need him in my life and the man's name was josh mcdowell he got on his knees and he gave his life to jesus he accepted jesus christ as his savior and he began to put in a book for him all those notes that he wrote down and he copied, he put in a book for him. He wrote many, many books, but the first books that he wrote was Evidence Demands a Verdict. It's a big old thick book. But then he wrote a sequel to that, More Evidence to Demands a Verdict, and it's a big old thick book of all the notes that he studied. But he wrote another book, and I always love to talk about this book because it's such a great book. Uh, he wrote this one. that's called More Than a Carpenter. put many of his notes into this book, too. And this book says 15 million copies. There had to be so many more. And what he did, Josh McDowell, wrote this. And this really gives us, examines the evidence from Scripture and from history to say, who is this Jesus? Who really is Jesus? That's, that's the question, right? Who is this Jesus? Because a lot of people reject what they don't know. And as intelligible, intelligent people, we need to know what we're going to reject, right? We need to study it. So what I want to do for you is, is if, you're not there. You say, I'm not ready to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm ready to leave. I want to offer you this free books right over here. You can see on this table here. Just pick one up and, and read this. But if you pick one up and read it, and hopefully if you pick one up, you're going to read it, that uh, you'd come back and tell me what you thought about it. And I'd love to talk about what I thought. But what happened there, Josh McDowell found out when he met with this pastor, he very simply prayed and he gave his life to Jesus. He accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And the Bible's uh, says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that everyone is you. Any of you. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how many sins you've done. Everyone, everyone, including you, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we don't need to be afraid. Death or any part of it is what the Bible says because the resurrection of Jesus Christ demonstrated that the wrath of God and also the holiness of God were satisfied in the death of his own son, Jesus. The second reason not the fear of life, number two, is the resurrection of Jesus offers new life. There was a story in the life of Jesus where he had these friends. One of them was Lazarus, and he had two sisters named who? Mary and Martha. And uh, Lazarus was very sick, and they had watched Jesus heal many people throughout his ministry. They saw him heal people. That if someone was blind, Jesus would heal them. If someone couldn't walk, maybe their body was too weak and their legs were never able to support them. They, they would have an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus would make them walk, right? It, it, with leprosy, a disease that had no medical cure at that time, people would run from lepers, afraid that they might be contaminated, not Jesus. He would go to them and minister to them, and he would heal them from the leprosy. So story after story, Jesus changing the lives of people physically, we have through Scripture. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they all saw this. So when Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, when there, our brother is sick, They said he's going to die unless you come and they sent this word because they believed that jesus you can help him and only hope he has jesus you come so jesus came but it was four days late right four days late and could you imagine these two sisters who who believed in jesus believed that he could heal their brother but he came late to their calendar but not to his and as arriving there he comes martha comes out to meet him and Martha, you can almost hear in her words, the angst in her word, almost a little anger in what she says to Jesus. She says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever th- thought that in your own life? We all go through is when the loved one dies, don't we? Those different stages of grief that often involve shock and, and blame and guilt. That we say, if we had been here, my brother would not have died, is what she said. And Jesus answered her, your brother will rise again. And she responds by saying, I know he will live again in the, in the resurrection in the last days. Well, what about us? What about now? What are we going to do? What are we going How are we going to go on? And Jesus gives us words that helps us so much. In John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, he says this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Then he said this, do you believe this? And she had to answer that question, and so do we. Every living human being has to give an answer to that question. It was Larry King, who had interviewed thousands of people in his career on television. He was asked the question, if you could interview one person from history, who would that be? And Larry King said, that's easy. It would be Jesus. They said, what question would you ask him? He said, I would ask him, did you really come forth from the grave? He said, he went on to say, because the answer to that question would change everything. And the answer to that question we get from the Bible, we get from Scripture, yes, Jesus really did come forth from the grave. Amen? He really did rise from the dead. But Jesus didn't come into the world just to make blind people see. He didn't come into the world just to make people who couldn't walk, walk. Jesus didn't come in the world to make our marriages better. Jesus didn't come in the world to make our businesses better or anything like that. Jesus came into the world to reconcile us to an almighty, eternal God and to give us life. That's why he came in the world. Not to make our lives better, even though that will happen once we accept Christ, right? That will happen once we do that. Not, Not only when we come to know Christ, he gives us life abundant, the Bible said. It's wonderful and a life with purpose, but he walks with us. He actually walks with us. But the day will come when we will see him, and we will be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen? We will be with Jesus. I read an article that was written a long time ago by John Dickerson in USA Today. and and He's an evangelical Christian. He wrote this article, and his point of his article is the names we see in the news today. And at that time, there was people running for presidential nomination. It was many years ago. He said the names that we see today, they'll just pass. He says, they're, they're like sandcastles that are built, but the waves of time and of history will wash them away. He goes on and said, every one of those names would become part of history. And one of them, either he or she, will become president of the United States, and they will serve their four years or the eight years. Then after that, they will build a library in their name. And then from that point on, it'd be just a Wikipedia entry from that point on. It sounds so simple, it is. But he went on to illustrate his point by saying Kanye West and Paul McCartney collaborated to do, together to do a song. And some of you have heard of Kanye West, and some of you have heard of Paul McCartney, and some of you know both those names, right? But he makes the point that Paul McCartney to the young Kanye West fans was really an unknown. Nobody really heard about him. And so the tweets that came about the, after the collaboration were kind of interesting, were kind of funny. One of them wrote this. I don't know who Paul McCartney is, but Kanye is going to give this man a career with this new song. Another one said, who is Paul McCartney? This is why I love Kanye for shining light on an unknown artist. Another one said, who is Paul McCartney? Six question marks. He's about to blow up things to Kanye. Now I'm thinking with your reaction, maybe some of you don't know who Paul McCartney is, right? <laughs> He's part of the Beatles, but you don't know. He had a big career on his own, much bigger than probably most artists today. These names though that we hear out there in the public in Hollywood, they come and go. They come and go, after a few years, people don't even really know who they are. But there's a name that came not with empty promises, but he came in humility, fulfilling the promises of his coming. In Isaiah chapter 61, where it says he's going to come, proclaim freedom for the captives. He's going to announce good news to the poor. He's going to bind up the brokenhearted. He's going to proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor, and he's going to come in humility, not to be served, but to serve. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, "'Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.'" And Jesus died. And uh, and as he died on that cross for our sins, to pay the price for our sins, he died for you and me. And then three days later, he came forth from the grave. And those disciples who saw it, their lives were dramatically changed because Jesus gives life, gives life eternal, not just for today, but eternal life, what he gives. And this morning, on every continent around the world, there will be over 2 billion, they say about 2.2 billion people are going to be singing, Hallelujah, Jesus is risen, right? Hallelujah it is risen. They're going to they're going to understand that because his name is known around the world, not like anyone else, and it it's lasting. I mean, Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and still his name is being proclaimed around the world. Can you imagine that? That he is risen because Jesus stands out from every other human being and figure on this earth. No matter how famous people claim they are, Jesus Gives life. He stands way far from everyone else. He stands out from everyone else because he gives life. And we don't need to be afraid of anything, of death or any part of it, because the resurrection proves that the wrath of God was satisfied. We don't need to be afraid because the resurrection gives life. And number three, we don't need to be afraid because the resurrection empowers us for living. I love the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, That I may know Christ in the power of his resurrection. He goes, I want to know that resurrection power in my life, what it costs for him to come forth from the grave. He goes on and writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. He says, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Skeptics will write and say that, Jesus couldn't come forth from the grave because there were Roman soldiers there guarding the tomb. People would say that Jesus couldn't come forth from the grave because it was this large, large stone that was placed with the Roman seal around it, and that stone had to weigh about 6,000 pounds, so no, no way he could come forth from the grave. But that's the easy part, right, to move all that stuff. The hard part is bringing life from death. That's the hard part, which only God can do. And that power that we've been singing about this morning, that resurrection power, is available to all of us through Jesus Christ, right? It's available to us, that resurrection power. And that's great news to anybody who's lost a child. That's great news to anybody who's lost a spouse, a husband, or a wife. And, And I encourage all of you to find the power of the resurrected Christ, not only for today, for every day of your life, that the power of the resurrected Christ helps us in the most difficult of times in our life, that he promises, I'll make my power available to you. I asked a few weeks ago in one of my messages, uh, have you ever been in a situation where you felt over your head? Where you felt that the things were coming to your life are just overwhelming you? You've got something where you just don't feel you can conquer it on your own, that your uh, education, your skill are not big enough to help you overcome it. You ever been there in your life where you just felt that? We have those all the time, don't we? Those are reminders to us that we're not meant to survive this life in our own power. None of us are. That we have the availability of the resurrection power through our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. That resurrected power that's available to all of us that we can lean on through our most difficult of times. That he promised to help us. Whatever we're going through, that resurrection power is available. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead is the same God that's living in our life that wants to help us in our life each and every day. So we don't need to be afraid. We don't have to fear that as followers of Jesus, That if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you take this day and rejoice for all that it means for us of the resurrection. Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. We have eternal life through Christ, right? We have forgiveness of sins, a relationship with God. We have hope in eternity to be with him forever. So our future is secure, amen? For everyone who knows Jesus, your future is secured in Christ. But if you are not a follower of Jesus yet, may I encourage you to to either pick up one of those books after the service. They might grab one of those books and read about it, and I would love to talk to you about it after. Or perhaps you're here today, you say, man, I, I'm so tired of fighting this, that I know who Jesus is. I know that he's the Son of God, that he's God. And I know that he died on the cross for my sins, and I'm ready to submit my will to God's will this morning. If that's the case, I would encourage you to, to do what I've been doing for many, many years is in Easter service, that you would just pray, and in that prayer, just pray the prayer of salvation from your heart. And you would just say that, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And today, I put my faith and trust in Jesus alone for salvation. If you would just do that. And what I want to do today, right now, is I want to pray. And in that prayer, I want to include a prayer of salvation for anyone who's never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if God is leading you to pray that prayer, please pray it with me. If God is not leading you to pray that prayer, please don't pray it because maybe you're not ready. But if you're ready to pray that prayer, please pray it and experience this salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ. Please experience that forgiveness of sins that only come through Jesus Christ. Please pray and re- experience the eternal life that only comes through Christ. It only comes through Him. So we can have every head bow and every uh, eye closed. Let me just pray. Lord, we come to you today. We thank you so much for the resurrected Christ and all that that means. Because of the resurrection, Lord, we do not need to be afraid. We do not have to fear. Because the resurrection, you conquered death. You conquered sin. You conquered the wicked one, Satan. And God's wrath was satisfying. And through, and, 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 and through the resurrection, Lord, because of that, we have eternal life, those who come and put our faith and trust in Jesus. We have forgiveness of sins. We have hope in eternity be with you. And God, you've promised to walk with us and help us every step of the way. So, Lord, we have so much to celebrate. Let today be a day of celebration, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to pray for those this morning that may not know you. Lord, I pray that you would lead them to pray this prayer. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and God is leading you, please pray this prayer with me. Lord, I admit I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I now put my faith and trust in Jesus that he died for me. I trust Jesus as my Savior. Come into my life and change me for your glory. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to talk to you and celebrate the new life that you have in Christ. You may not feel any different, but if you prayed that prayer and God was leading to pray that and was sincere in the heart and you really believe that, the Bible says that your eternity has been changed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Just think about that. That your hope in eternity is now wrapped up in Jesus, that you will be with him forever and ever. All because the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen.